Thanks, Ben. About to turn 47. Mm. 47. 47 years old. And I'll put a picture up there. I'm hoping that it's made it. It has made it. What is that? What's that picture? Dirt. What are we just experiencing at the moment? A drought. It's a drought. Uh, you know, you look at that it's thirsty ground. It's cracked. It's parched. It's barren. It's really dead. It's lifeless. It's lifeless. And we look at the ground and we go, what's the need? Absolutely. Water. <coughs> rain. Um, you know, Kerry and I were noticing the other day as we were coming up the range, I don't know if you've noticed this, all the trees are dying. Have you noticed that? Yes. So you go through Prince Henry Heights and places like that, and on the side of the road as you go down around that nice little kind of bush drive, there is dead trees. And as you come up the range uh, highway, there's all patches of dying. I've never seen that. Uh, and I know out west, birds are literally falling, or last summer were falling out of the sky because of heat. Uh, trees that are 100 years old are dying. It's not very hard. We don't need to have a theology degree or a biology degree to work out that that ground desperately needs rain, needs life. I'm 47 years old, and I think I've seen two major droughts in my life. Uh, Alan's probably seen a few more. Uh, I don't know, maybe depending on which part of the country you're from, you've seen droughts uh, regularly. And we're being told by experts that we can probably expect to see ever-increasing droughts in our part of the, our part of the world. So I guess, I guess I'm, I'm thinking of drought, and I'm thinking of our lives. And I'm thinking to myself, what is your life? Is it that, the drought, the barren dryness, the thirstiness, or is it what Alan shared before, the lush greenness of Tasmania? <laughs> well, what, what is, because this is actually a real question, and, and in some ways I just, I just listen to everyone here today, and I kind of feel the weight of this sermon. I feel like this could be one of the most important sermons you ever hear. So, so even though there's a lighthearted feel to it, there's also a deep seriousness to it. And yeah, so what, what do you think? What is the reality of your life? Is it a drought, or is it lush green Tasmania? Maybe I should ask the people who have lived in Tasmania. Yep. Yeah, okay. But, but even without spiritual metaphors and things like that, your life as a whole, is it ever-increasing droughts or is it ever-increasing tazzies, lushnesses? Even if... The reality is it's ever-increasing droughts. In terms of your physicality, it is headed for drought. It's headed for death. It's headed for dryness. It's headed for barrenness. And you see a little bit of that when you get sick. You see a little bit of that when you get... Uh, some sort of suffering or some sort of trial that you go through physically. You see that more and more as you get older. You see it in the mirror. You see ever-increasing droughts. That is the reality. It doesn't matter what life insurance people are telling you, or, or not so much life insurance, but more superannuation people are telling you, you're storing up for a drought, but the drought is going to get you in the end. Your, your life is ever-increasing droughts. I'm sorry to be <laughs> start off so somber, but like, I think you agree, don't you? I'm just, I'm just being real. Yeah, sure, we have the lushnesses and we have the trips to Tasmania in our lives. You know, we have, we have period, periods of happiness and satisfaction, but there are ever-increasing droughts. And if anyone would deny that, please step up and give me the facts because I feel like evidence is on my side. Um, there's a cemetery just over there that shows it. 
the facts are obvious. Yeah, the older you get, the more drought you experience, the more death you experience. Your grandparents, your parents, your, if you live long enough, your brothers, your sisters, your friends, your colleagues. I always remember my nana, she lived to a ripe old age and all her friends were dead. Ever increasing drought. More and more. Ever increasing disease, you know, even violence and so forth around the world. It just seems like there's ever-increasing drought. So again, we go, well, what is the need? What is the need? We need rain. In any drought, we need rain, and we need lots of it. Um, What kind of rain do you think we need? Because we've we've seen lots of different types of rain over the last few years, haven't we? We've seen that clouds build up. Have you noticed that? Clouds build up, and they're dark, and you think, oh, 20% 20% rain on the, on the forecast, maybe will be the 20%. And then it's just this light kind of, well, nothing. It just rolls straight over. Clouds without rain. Is that the kind of rain you need in a drought? Sometimes you do get a bit of drizzle, particularly here on the rains because of that microclimate. Just that little bit of drizzle, not even a millimetre. Doesn't even show up on the radar, the weather radar. Is that the kind of rain you need? No, because that doesn't bring life. We had good rain a few years ago, but that's a few years ago. We had amazing amounts of rain, too much in some ways, a few years ago. And you know what? We probably will get good rain again, consistent rain in 10 or 20 years. But does that help us right now? Does that help the ground right now? So bear with me for a moment because I'm going to make a leap now, a metaphorical leap. And I'm going to say that grace is a bit like rain. And we can ask the same question. We've already agreed that all of us are headed for and have experienced drought and we're headed for ever-increasing droughts. The world isn't lush green Tasmania. It's a drought-ridden landscape in general. Yeah, there's happiness and satisfaction at times, but there's also a lot of suffering, a lot of drought. So what kind of grace rain do you need in your life? You know, is it the... And, and I'm not just talking about the big death events and so I'm talking about little mini droughts where there's some sort of fear, life-sucking fear, some sort of life-sucking doubt or life-sucking conflict or life-sucking anger that's dysfunctional and and, and causing problems in your family, Uh, life-sucking apathy in your marriage or your life. Those mini droughts. What kind of rain do you need? Is it, is it the clouds without rain? No. The drizzle? No. Is it the big grace event that happened a long time ago? For right now? No. Is it the future grace that's promised, a spectacular future grace that, we, that, that brings a bit of hope? No. Maybe. But in the Monday morning, do you, are you thinking about that? I don't really think so. So whether it's the small mini droughts or the big life drought, what kind of grace do we need? What kind of grace, rain, do you and I need? We need regular, consistent, soaking grace rain for right now. We don't, we don't need 20% on the spiritual grace rain forecast or 50%, or even 90%. We need 100%. Because this is a tough drought. This is a tough spiritual drought that we live in, called life. 
And we need beautiful, consistent rain. We've heard it over the last few days, haven't we? How sweet it is to hear the rain hit the roof. If you've got a tiled roof, you miss out a bit. But you can still hear it outside. And it just starts raining. You're thinking, oh, Lord, just keep it going, keep it going. And then surprisingly, over the weekend, it did. We had beautiful soaking rain. And that just does something to your heart because you know that, lo- that rain represents life. When that rain comes, the ground now starts to get soft and produces life. You know, when I walked out onto our yard yesterday, it was squelching. I was like, it's so muddy and stuff, but like, wow, this is great. Because other times you get that, the clouds without rain or the drizzle rain, and it's like, it's still dry. You can kick it and see the dust, even as the drizzle's still falling. But no, this was beautiful, consistent rain. Grace-like rain, you know, isn't it? it's a beautiful thought when you think about it, isn't it? It's a wonderful thought. Such a beautiful picture that God's given us, such a beautiful sermon illustration. So I decided to do a pre-sermon survey, a WPSS, for Willowburn. And once again, it wasn't that well kind of uh, responded to. And I phrased it this way. Maybe I should have phrased it differently, but it didn't make any difference anyway. But I just simply said, God's grace means dot, dot, dot. And so what do you say now? What does, let's, let's just quickly do some, well, actually most people have answered. We won't waste time. We'll drive on. Unless someone's really, well, great, God's grace means, okay, no one's got anything. We're driving on. Um, let's go to the survey. So I've just done a little, little video recording there of the survey and the survey, the initial survey. Thank you, Jason. That was a very comprehensive answer. And I actually really like it. So he was talking about grace as a part of who God's matrix and character is, his unmerited favour. And these guys are gone. Owned it. Thank you very much for that. Uh, so then I, re, I, I rephrased because I really wanted to find out what God's grace means for you right now. And thank you, Jason, and thank you for your gifs. Um, and anyway, so I really wanted to know what God's grace means now, okay? And anyway, this, in fact, I'll just go back. So Raji jumped in. He said, God's grace means that I can get up tomorrow without guilt or shame because of today's mistakes. Camille, when she was finished with gifs, said, God's grace means I don't have work I don't have to work for his affections and his acceptance. He takes me as I am after graciously giving Jesus the cross to the cross. Luke, he went a bit more theological as well and gave me a whole bunch of times. Grace appears. Thank you, mate. That was really good. And then he talked about his favorites, which is God's grace is sufficient for us. Les jumped in with some stuff. My mum jumped in with some stuff. Ben jumped in and said, God's grace provides the ability for me to get back up after stuffing up. And then my sister... Melissa, she said, for me right now, it's the empowerment to do his will despite myself. It's interesting, isn't it? We think about grace and I think about grace. Oftentimes it's kind of, um, kind of bracketed. So my sister said, right now, right now, it's empowerment. Right now, it's empowerment. We just heard before, we need some empowerment in this church, don't we? I'm so sorry to hear about, you know, Nicole and stuff, but at the same time, that, that hope that's there. We need grace for that. We need empowerment for that right now. Um, some of the other things that are, that are going on, you know, the, the Sandra situation in Bundy. We need grace for that. Right now. Right now. Yes, theologically, we understand and we hold on to and we love the fact that Jesus has died for us and secured relationship with God. But we need grace right now. We need power right now. 
And that's why I, was, I really like all the answers. But this one, particularly, I like because I feel like so often we're bracketed. It's bracketed grace. So we're, we're going, look what Jesus did on the cross. I love what he did for us. That's why we follow him. That's why we're Christians. That's why we're not any other type of religion because of what he has done for us and the historical significance and evidence for that. And I love what he's promised in the future. A new heaven, a new earth, a new kingdom, new super bodies, completely reformed and restructured. That is awesome. That's kind of like Friday, what, God, what Jesus did for us. Sunday, the resurrection. And we're living in Saturday. We're, we're bracketed and we're thinking... Okay, that's that. And that's it. But is, there, is it not true to say that if God has done all that for us, that there will be grace for us right now? And you might say, where are you getting that from? Because is, is it fair to say, do you think that often in our own heads, we don't, we don't actually think that this grace is dynamic and real and attendant to our needs right now? And what does that look like? This is just a lumberjack in me. This is the pilot in me. I just want to know what that looks like on Monday morning. Because we've got a lot of spiritual cliches that we've got floating around in our heads, don't you reckon? But what does that mean? You know, what does that mean when you're changing that baby's nappy at 3 a.m. and won't go to sleep? What does that mean when you've got that conflict at work? What does that mean when you're just bored at work? What does that mean when you do go through a big drought, significant suffering, significant fear? There must be drought, there must be grace for now. So where am I getting this from? Okay, so this was supposed to be our above and beyond series, above and beyond in the spiritual gifts. So we've done above and beyond in allegiance, and you can go and look at that. Next week, we're going to back to Job for our mega series, Meet God Almighty series, which this actually strangely will fit in. But where did I get this idea of middle grace, of attendant grace? Well, it sort of came when I started looking at spiritual gifts. Now, spiritual gifts can be pretty controversial in the church for some reason. Yes, anything that's important is sometimes controversial, but sometimes things that seem insignificant are also controversial because someone made them controversial. But as I was looking at spiritual gifts, I started with this idea that they're pretty important. Because again, we need the empowerment of God's Holy Spirit. And so I started in the quintessential verses and chapters, which is 1 Corinthians 12 through to uh, 1 Corinthians 14. And at the start of 1 Corinthians 12, Paul, writing about 2,000 years ago, says about spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be ignorant. And I thought, I'll just look at my Greek lexicon and I'll just go, what spiritual gift? And what I discovered in the quintessential chapters on spiritual gifts is it's not actually referred to as spiritual gifts. The word gift doesn't appear. The only word that appears is a Greek word, pneumaticus, pneumata, like spirit, life. So he's actually saying now about the spirituals, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be ignorant. So Paul doesn't want you to be ignorant about this. And I'll get to why this is middle grace, attendant grace, grace for now in a minute. And this is exciting. This is exciting for whatever part of life you're in, whatever struggle you've got. Um, but, oh, okay, so all the way through 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, it just says spirituals. Spirituals. For example, 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says, follow the love, way of love and eagerly desire spirituals. In the English Bible, it says spiritual gifts. There's no mention of gift. 
It just says, follow the spirituals. And that got me intrigued. I was like, what would that be? Because translators are generally pretty good, like they're pretty smart and they get together and it's normally a collegiate effort when they translate the Bible because they see it as being so important. And they, you'd look at the, the preamble in most of your translations, it's all about the glory of God and following, you know, wanting to get this message out, making it better English and so forth. I mean, most Bibles are pretty much the same, but they're just changing, changing uh, English and, you know, as English changes and so forth. So I thought I'd look up where else spiritual gift appears. And here it is in 1 Corinthians 1, 4-7. I'll read the whole passage, 4-7. This is Paul speaking to the Corinthian church, which was a perfect church. <laughs> it was a terrible church in some ways. I mean, there was some dude sleeping with his stepmom, probably. There was drunkenness at communion. There was incredible division. I, I follow Cephas. I'm a Cephite. I follow Apollos. I follow Jesus. You know, there's all this division. And then Paul says, I always thank God for you because of his grace given to you in Christ Jesus. So grace is charis. That's the Greek word. We have a name now for, uh, for girls, charis, beautiful name. For in him you have been enriched in every way. Think, think about that, that term enriched, like Tassie, enriched with greenness and lushness, not like out west at the moment. In all your speaking, in all your knowledge, knowledge, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Now, here's here's the bit. Therefore, you don't lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly await for the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. So given what I just told you, he's saying you don't lack anything. Um, What do you think you'd expect to see in spiritual gift? You'd expect to see that it's just spiritual, right? Uh, No. (laughs) So in this one, spiritual's taken out. The pneumatikos is gone and they replace it with charisma. Charis, grace, ma, suffix. And the suffix, sorry to get all Greek on you, but it's really important. Ma means the effect of grace. The result of grace. So if we read this again, it's you do not lack any um, charisma. I'll go back. You do not lack any Charisma, you do not lack any grace effect, any grace energy. As you eagerly wait for Jesus Christ to be revealed. See what, see what he's saying here? You don't lack any grace right now. You've got a lot of grace right now. You've got a lot of grace effect, a lot of grace energy. And I, I went to my Greek thing again. I, what does this mean? And it means to show favor. It's a gift of grace. That's probably where we're getting gift from. We'll talk a bit more about that in a minute. An undeserved benefit. But the big thing is it is intrinsically tied to charis and it's the grace effect, the grace energy. So like if you're getting a bit, because I'm getting to 17 minutes and it's, this is about the time where people start to drift off. Um, there's grace for you now. <laughs> there's the grace effect for you. Did you know that? Did you know that, Gabe? You know how sometimes... Gabe, like when you're up the front, and I really appreciate the way you get up the front, and you've done it consistently and faithfully for five, six, seven years, and Tim as well, and the rest of the team. Did you know there is a grace effect for when you're doing this, cat? There's a grace energy for when you're singing and playing the guitar. There's a grace energy, a grace power for us right now. That's, isn't that what he's saying? You don't lack any grace effect, any grace power as you're eagerly waiting 
as you're eagerly awaiting for Jesus to bring in the new kingdom, the new heavens and the new earth. So I decided to call this GE, Grace Energy or Grace Effect. And I love GE. Does anyone know what GE is in the world of piloting? Awesome engines, General Electric, jet turbines. So I thought to myself, this is a good way for me to remember. It might not be a good way for you to remember. But if you remember that there is grace energy for you, spiritual grace energy. And so you say, well, why is it spiritual gifts in our English Bibles? Because scholars have gone, right, here it says spirituals. Here it says charisma, spiritual, charisma, spiritual gifts. But even the gifts is still, it's not quite a gift. It's actually a power because a gift, I give it to you and it's stagnant in a way. That's what we think of sometimes. The connotation is there. But this is, this is energy. This is power. This is dynamos. This is, this is, I don't want to use superpower, but I just said it. <laughs> a beyond natural power. Grace, energy. That's what the Bible's saying here. So if we look at these verses again, that you're probably very familiar. I mean, how many times have you heard us say, eagerly desire spiritual gifts? How many times have you heard people in the church talk about spiritual gifts and then maybe argue about them? Let's look at them in, in this context. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the spiritual grace effects. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the spiritual grace energy, the spiritual grace powers. Or you don't lack, back in 1 Corinthians 1, you don't lack any spiritual grace energy. You don't lack any spiritual grace power. You don't lack any grace effect. Now, Selah, what does Selah mean? Someone help me out. Let's do that. And while we're doing it, I want you to think to yourself of where this grace effect might be required in your life right now or where it will be required. Think back over the last week, think into the next week. We're just going to pause for about 30 seconds and think about you have available to you Spirit, grace, energy, spirit, grace, power, spirit, grace, effect. Sila. Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, just with my little church here, our little church, my, my brothers and sisters, may the grace of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Now this idea of grace energy, grace power, it sounds a bit familiar to 1 Peter 1, doesn't it? You know, this is one of the verses I like to quote and I've memorised. His divine power, this is 2 Peter 1, 3 to 4. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. Okay. Who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may what? Let's let's read it together because you guys looking a bit sleepy. Thankfully, there's grace at the moment for us. Okay. So let's read it together. His divine power has given us everything we need, keep up with me, for life and godliness through our knowledge of him 
who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. So one, you're given power, grace power, if we put it together with what we talked about before. And two, here's the big one, this is participatory in God's divine nature. That is a direct reference to the fact that what do you have dwelling with you right now? The Holy Spirit. This is what the Bible says. This is not what Adrian Park says. Jesus told us that when he leaves, the counselor would come. Jesus then said, I will be with you until the end of the age. How could that be unless it was through the power of the counselor, through the power of Pentecost, through the Holy Spirit abiding with us? So right now, you have personal Spiritual grace effects. And I say person dash AL hyphen AL personal because it's the person of the Holy Spirit. That's where these spiritual gifts are coming from. And this is the most important part. And we're getting towards the end, believe it or not. As my sister said, for me right now, because I said before, what does that dry ground need? What does that drought need? What is that period in your life that you're thinking about, hopefully, when we are praying or that thing that's in your life right now? Well, whatever it is, there is Holy Spirit, grace-filled, grace power for you right now. Empowerment. But what is his will? What is his will? And let's not, let's not do the, to glorify God. Because to me, that, that, that is a, was once a glorious term, but it's just a cliche now. Most people don't really feel it in their hearts. Maybe we can feel it if we do this. So I've done a lot of research. I actually have. I've, been, I've read through all the New Testament just recently. Again, I used the Immersed Bible, the Messiah, without all the, the, the numbers and so forth. And I simply highlighted wherever I thought I saw a spiritual Holy Spirit Spiritual grace effect, spiritual grace energy emerging is very interesting. Because I figured the early church had their own drought, didn't they? The Roman Empire persecuting them, the Jewish people at times persecuting them. Did they not have their mini droughts? Did they not have their own needs? And I thought, wow, we've got Acts. We can look at Acts and go, yep, let's see what was going on there. The rest of the New Testament, let's see what Holy Spirit... Grace effects there were. And I decided to sort of categorize them this way by the X factor. The X in unexpected. Because you look at some of the things that go on, for instance, Paul and Silas in jail. What would you expect to happen for normal people in jail? They wouldn't break out for a start. (laughs) That wasn't the answer I was after. (laughs) You'd probably expect them to be pretty down and pretty depressed and pretty worried and pretty scared. Instead, what do we see? They're praising, that's the X factor. They're praising, they're singing, um, it's unexpected. And so it may not mention the Holy Spirit, but most of the time it's mentioning grace, uh, spiritual power, or something unexpected that's happening. I mean, what would you expect from Stephen? You know, Stephen, to me, that's one of the greatest miracles in the whole Bible, isn't it? He's getting stoned. So stones are being thrown at him and he is slowly dying from concussive, percussive blows to the head and to his body. 
And what does he do? Help me out, Barb. What does he do? Pray. Pray, but what? He asks for forgiveness for his enemies. Have you ever been slapped in the face in that moment? Yep, Tiff, you have. And do you immediately feel love for that person? Imagine a rock hitting you, a stone, and praying, forgive him. You know who's standing in the crowd? Paul, the guy that's writing the most about grace. (laughs) This is unexpected. (laughs) This is the X factor. And I haven't even started talking about miracles and healing. You know what? When I did my research and I went for the X factor, you know how many times, and I'm still counting, I actually added another 20 this morning. You know how many I'm up to when I look for these X factor occasions beyond miracles and healing and so forth? Someone take a punt. 41, good. 42, the meaning of life. 113 I'm up to. 113 Holy Spirit grace effects. A Holy, a Holy Spirit occurrences, and these are real occurrences of miraculous power. You don't tend to think of them as a miracle, but they are when you look at them. You know, the Stephen thing and so forth. 113 Holy Spirit unexpected grace effects. So right now, like, like I'm looking at all of you, my brothers and sisters, right? And, and if I put a mirror up, I could see myself. Thankfully, I can't. But if I could... I will see. I'm thinking of Sandra. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you know, in some way she has done us such an act of service because in that moment, you know, it's, it's not a coincidence that Christians go up to her all the time, is it? If she has tattoos like that all over her body, so she puts a tattoo on her body every time she struggles with a suicidal thought, and it's a suicidal picture. It's a, it's a, it's a woman with a gun in her, in, her, in her mouth and things like that. This woman is experiencing spiritual drought, as everybody does, as everybody that is a branch broken off from the main tree does, when we're broken off from, from, from divinity, broken off from God. Um, and so she, she puts it on her body. And you know what I want to say? I want to say, there's grace for that. There's a Holy Spirit grace effect. And that might not be healing from depression. That might just be the strength to get through. Do you remember Paul, the guy who talked about grace the most? What was one of his biggest struggles? The thorn in the flesh. And what, did he, what was that? He said it was a messenger from Satan. Most people, most scholars believe it was probably some sort of injury that had occurred because he'd been beat up so much. And what did he say? Again, help, help me. Your what? Your charis is what? Sufficient for me. In weakness, my strength is perfected, is what God says there. But, but like he had to struggle day in, day out, and mentally struggling, mentally a thorn in the flesh. Same thing. And yet the way the grace effect played out there was what? He continued to be faithful. He continued to talk about grace. He continued to lay hands on and try and heal whoever he could, even though he himself couldn't be healed. That's amazing. That's an that's a, that's a X factor here unexpected grace effects and so now I think about you my brothers and sisters right and I think about myself in the mirror if for a moment tattoos emerged on our skin you have to understand when people get tattoos it's a very personal thing the skin is like a canvas it's like a it's like a picture and they want this picture to be seen into perpetuity but imagine if every 
piece of barrenness in your life, every little drought, the anger that isn't being constrained, the apathy in, in marriage maybe, whatever other things came up. Imagine if they emerged out on your skin now. Just popped out. You know what? Just like for Sandra, all of a sudden we'd be going, far out, Ben, I didn't know you were struggling with that, mate. Like, let, or maybe we'd be going, oh. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you try and cover it up. I don't know. But isn't, it, isn't this fascinating that God has given us this picture this morning because God sees us. He sees us and he sees you as if you were tattooed with every single sin, every single ongoing dysfunction that you're tr- struggling with now. And he says, what? There's grace for that. It's like the app store, you know, the old app store ad. There's an app for that. Maybe you don't remember that. You know, when the app store first came out. Oh, there's an app for that. Calendar app, music app. As an app. Wouldn't it be cool if we as a church just suddenly, not too hard on ourselves, but we're just like, we're not content though with where we're at. And we go, today I'm struggling with anger. Today I'm struggling with irritation. There's grace for that. Okay, Lord, um, can you give me some grace? And by the way, grace isn't just self-control. It's only one fruit of the Spirit. Imagine, give me patience now, love. And imagine if you start experiencing that more and more in your life. Won't you then be going like the early church? Whoa, we are. We are well equipped. We are well gifted. Anyway, so what were these 113 unexpected grace effects? I'm going to finish off my sermon with them, which is a bit of a non-standard way of finishing off. I'm going to do one probably every second so we're looking at a bit over a minute and a half and i haven't given you verse references because you know what if you're really interested in this you can do your own research and you can maybe we can i'll post them on facebook and every time you see a verse put it next to the list or put a comment but if you see one you don't agree with or you go i don't see that anywhere talk to me it might be an interpretation thing or it might be that you just haven't seen it but wouldn't it be interesting if we were to say Eagerly desire one of these 113 Holy Spirit grace effects, and there's more, for your situation now, for your situation at Monday morning, for your situation on Wednesday morning. And if we were to say, there's grace for that. You know, I just, I just, I just pray, this is my prayer, that this week, this week, when you struggle with drought and death comes, and dysfunction comes in a sense, mini death, you know, mini drought, it might be to your relationship in that moment. It might be to other things that the Holy Spirit puts in your head. There's grace for that. There's grace for that. And, you, and, 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 and this is the thing. This is a really good vortex to get into. And then your mind and your doubts go, oh, yeah, but I'm not feeling it. Then go, there's grace for that too. <laughs> yeah, but I looked at this other person and even, you know, the lady we were talking about, she didn't get healed. I've got some doubt. Oh, there's grace for that. <laughs> There's grace for those doubts. Get into that vortex. That's a good, because you know where that vortex takes you? It just keeps taking you further and further into the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ who died for you, who took the nails for you, who loves you very much and knows that you are just a a bruised reed, a flickering flame, a person. There's grace for that. Okay, so, um, got a little video playing. Just so you know, I didn't just make this up. So when I went through, you can see all the highlights you won't have time to actually read them. But look, look, just look at that. This is Acts moving on all the way through the Bible. There's a lot of yellow, isn't there? 
Now, Tozer, I've quoted this before, but A.W. Tozer once said that if you took the Holy Spirit out of the early church, which has taken all these yellow bits out, the church instantly implodes. It doesn't exist. You take the Holy Spirit out of the modern Western church, it'll go on as though nothing happened. Because we have become, I believe, so self-reliant, so reliant. You know, even now there was a tendency for me to go, I'll give you a five-step plan for this. I'm not giving you a five-step plan. All I've given you is there's grace for that. There's grace for that. It's not about a plan. It's just simply about going, there's grace. And you go, oh, I, don't, I don't believe that. I don't feel that. I don't ha-. There's grace for that. There's grace for that. There's grace for that. You know, you look at the early church, there's no one there. No one there that was better off than you are right now. No one. There are people that were struggling with all sorts of things, and yet they found that there was grace for that. Here we go. Ready? You might be surprised by some of these. Talk to me later. Here we go. Spiritual grace effects. Eagerly desire these. You know, Willow Burn, eagerly desire these for Monday morning. Tuesday, Wednesday. Now, here we go. Number one, organisation, planning, logistics, helping, service. These are all supernatural things. that you, didn't, you don't expect to see them and they're done wholeheartedly and lovingly. This is where we're going as a church. I believe it. Piercing preaching, boldness, intellect, debate, public speaking under duress, faithfulness under duress, faithfulness under extreme suffering, faithfulness under trial, faithfulness under loss, generosity, devotion, trueness, labour, hard work, miraculous signs, demonic expulsion, pre-warnings, watchfulness, love for haters. See on Twitter, all the haters. Imagine Twitter with 113 Holy Spirit, grace effects flowing out from every Christian that's on Twitter right now. You would revolutionise Twitter just like the early church revolutionised the Roman Empire. Not with a sword and not with like anger. (laughs) Am I wrong? Maybe I should go up and down the... No, I'll get away. (laughs) Love for haters, love for enemies, love for politicians. The last part of Acts is all about love for politicians and not very good politicians. Ones who thought they were God. And you think, our politicians think they're God. You should try people like Nero, because that's who Paul was going for in the last three or four chapters of Acts. (laughs) It's just so beautiful. This beautiful grace reign. Love for politicians. Oh, this one, I I like these ones. Sea rescue. They're not just just healing and stuff. Like, what do we argue about all that stuff? Like, look at all the other stuff. Land rescue, prison rescue. There's a good rescue agency, the church. Really. Snake bite rescue. The sharing of their lives, intense longing for spiritual well-being of others, companionship, counsel. Oftentimes just the Holy Spirit speaking to Paul when he's by himself. Encouragement, education, equality, respect, community, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, insight, fortitude. 51, understanding, fear of the Lord, wonder of the Lord, awe of the Lord. Imagine they're singing. Authentic love, practical love. We talk about love, but the world can't see it. They could see it in this church. Forbearing love, growing love, overflowing love, holy living. We think we have issues in our society. 
Literally, some of these churches had members that would go and sleep with prostitutes in the temple to Artemis. Little boys were sexually abused regularly as a part of a societal norm. Holy living in the midst of that. Strongly gripping teaching, patient endurance, reliance on the spirit, commending one another, deep searching of the heart. They had their own spiritual vocabulary. They had the right word for the right moment. Good stewardship, resilience. I love this one. Teleportation. Teleportation. (laughs) You think I'm joking. No, you don't. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Who? Yeah, Philip. Remember? He's like on the road with the Ethiopian dude. He leads him to Christ. And then it says the the Holy Spirit just ripped him away. (laughs) These molecules were there and then they appeared somewhere else. And if you read, it's actually inferred that that's how he got there. So... (laughs) Like the Ethiopian's reading and he doesn't get it. So God goes, there's grace for that. Philip, beam me up. Philip, beam me down. And then the Spirit says that, (laughs) go to that chariot. There's someone reading the Bible. So he goes up and talks to him, leads him to Jesus. He gets baptized. You're done. Back to where you are. I know that seems bizarre, but why couldn't that happen now? It's the same God. I'm not saying let's now spend all our time praying for the gift of teleportation. (laughs) But if it was really needed and we were to go, there's grace for that, who knows what might happen? Bravery, openness, extreme generosity, strength and faith, care, the ability to answer questions under duress. That's a, does your mind ever close down when someone's asking you a question? There's grace for that now. Did you know that? Convincing but gracious debate, powerful but gracious argument, growth, visions, rejoicing, leadership, followership, service, recall, able to remember things, remember the whole Bible at times. Not the whole Bible, but certain parts of it. Singing, justice, fairness, tolerance, unity, groundedness. These are people that were earthy and real. Settledness. Healing, miracles, prophecy. This is all scattered in. Discerning of spirits, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, real languages. These guys could speak Aramaic, then they could speak Greek at at different times. Joy and comfort under suffering, evangelism, teaching, shepherding, apostleship, the Bible. The Bible is given as a gift from the Spirit. Intercession, rhythmic, constant prayer. Here's the thing. You know what you're doing when you... When, I, when before I was saying, hey, uh, this happens, there's a little mini drought, whatever it is, and you go, okay, there's grace for that, and then you get the doubt, there's grace for that. And what did I say to do? I said, oh, well, just say to yourself and pray for that grace. Do you know you're going to be doing a lot of praying if you pray like that? So every time something comes up now, there's a bit of irritation at someone or a bit of judgmentalism, you go, you feel the spirit go, there's grace for that. You go, oh, Lord, give me that grace. Lord, give me that grace effect. Give me that power now. And maybe he'll tell you what you need. Give me that gift of healing now. Or just give me the patience that I need now. You're going to be doing a lot of kind of constant Nehemiah type praying on the go. That's what they were doing. But also together, hospitality, gratefulness, lust, denial, and temptation escape. These are Holy Spirit effects. You feel yourself being tempted. There's grace for that. 
You know what? Look, even if you fall into temptation, there's grace for that. God doesn't want you to stay there because that kind of stuff is dangerous to you and to people that love you. Temptation escape, instantaneous enablement of whatever grace effect you need. You don't, there's no prepping up for it. That's natural. Don't get me wrong. Natural gifts are important and we should do everything we can to enhance those. But these are instantly enabled. Instantly. So all of a sudden, I could turn into John Piper. <laughs> In terms of preaching ability. Or you might, and I've seen this happen. No, I haven't seen myself turn into John Piper, but I've seen wisdom come. In amazing ways. And all of these, well, mate, not all of them, I haven't seen the teleportation, but a lot of them I've seen in day-to-day life. Like the unexpected X factor comes in. Consolation, confidence, forgiveness of enemy, true friendship. Anyway, there's many more to come. They are commended. This is why in the Bible they're commended to the grace of God. They're commended to the grace of God. They're commended to the Holy Spirit grace effects. That's what, when you see, strange to say commended to the grace of God if it was just before and after. They're commended to the 113 Holy Spirit unexpected grace effects. Um, I took longer than a minute and a half for the spiritual grace effects, but just look at that slide. You know, death. Drought brings fire. Fire brings death. If the rain doesn't come, it stays dead. And that's what we need in our lives every day. You need consistent, soaking, Holy Spirit, grace and rain. You don't need the form of grace right now. You don't need the knowledge of grace right now. You need grace. There's grace for that. There's grace for you. There's grace for me. It's above and beyond. And imagine this church above and beyond. And are we really surprised? Look, are we really surprised when we, as we consider now communion and we consider what Jesus has done? Are we really surprised that he would just, you know, are we really surprised that he'll go to the cross, secure a relationship with us so that we can participate in the divine nature, we can abide with the Holy Spirit, we can have that really close connectedness with God? Are we really surprised that he's, he, he, he's, he's given us all this stuff? Now, 113 and counting Holy Spirit grace effects. Are we really surprised by that? I'm not. I'm excited by it, but I'm not surprised by it. This is who God is. He gives. And so we're going to remember that God now. We're going to remember the Lord Jesus. We're going to remember Ben's gone for the one cup option today. And I love that. And I thank you for the grace songs as well that we had before, Gabe. The one cup, which represents the one body, the one spirit. There is one spirit, but many grace effects. One spirit, many grace effects. Remember the source. Remember what has been done to acquire this for you, not just the kingdom in the future and resurrection, but right now, all these Holy Spirit grace effects right now. It's all because of that. It's all because of that. Let me pray. Father, we have wonderful, awe-inspiring power, and it will oftentimes be covert power. We won't see necessarily its great effects in tangible ways. Sometimes it'll be subterranean, hidden, but it'll be there. It'll be there. And I just pray, Lord, though, that we would experience all the spectrum of your power and your effects and your life-giving grace energy.
I pray, Father, for this church that we would understand and know in deeper ways what it is to walk with you, what it is to live by your spirit, what it is to keep in step with your spirit, what it is to be filled by your spirit, instantly enabled in that moment. Oh, Lord, we know we have doubts, but we know there's grace for that. So change our doubts into conviction. Change our doubts into assertiveness. Draw us ever closer to you. And Father, I thank you again. I thank you just for the the beauty and the wonder of the God who has died for us, taken the nails and the spear and the crown, is resurrected and now intercedes, prays for the Holy Spirit power in our lives. And I can just see that even now, you praying in the Holy Spirit, immediately bringing instant enablement to us. Today, I just ask for the instant enablement of a gracious heart, of a soft heart, ground that is hard, Lord. It needs the Hosea 10, 12 principle. Sow for yourselves righteousness. It is time to seek the Lord It's time to break open your hard ground. That's you. That's me. So that the Lord may come and shower righteousness on us. Oh Lord, help us, I pray, as we experience communion again together to remember you, remember your awesome grace. In Jesus' name, amen.